Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Cleary. C is for chunk. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Good afternoon. Happy Thursday. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket. Theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez Clary are with you today. Hello, Rico. Hello. How are you doing, man? I am fantabulous. That's good. I don't know why, but I just got this burst of energy like a, like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. So I wouldn't even say 10 minutes ago. It's been so the last it's fun right now. It's been the last like five minutes while we were getting ready to come into the studio. A lot of yelling. We're just getting ready for the show. That and is, it's not like we were yelling at each other. We're just yelling. No. I mean, there's been there's been days. There have been days where I've hated you. That's true. Yeah. When I first started, I need to know your true opinion of what? me. <laughs> when I first Nick, started let's get here. to the show. We don't have to talk about our feelings. I, I'm curious. What? I'm always curious on that stuff. But the first time first, I ever met you was not, at not, that 4th of July not, party. No, 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 no. First Bro, time I came kid. in here. Yeah, first time I came here. Uh, I only knew you from uh, Megan. Shout out, Megan. Okay. That is the only place I knew you through, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's one of Megan's friends. I don't care." How how long did it take you to like to warm up to you yes, and think and like, "Hey, like, this like, guy's kind of cool." Like, be friends? Ah, uh, probably like last week. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> As always, four zero two four six four five six eight five. It took a little bit. <laughs> the Honda Lincoln Hotline, Sutter Heyman text line, both those open for you all hour long, as well as the Sutter Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Um, it's going to kind of be a loaded show. We're going to kind of bounce from a couple things uh, nonstop. I'm, I'm curious where you guys are at um, in terms of drinking the Kool-Aid. Maybe we talk about that a little bit because I, I know a lot of people um, talking to some people outside of the sports media world. Um, they're, they're in the prove it mode. They, they want to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But then judging by reactions on Twitter, it's... Nebraska's back. Based off of certain announcements yeah. and certain implied thoughts of, of certain people, whether mm-hmm. that be coaches or players, uh, Nebraska's back based on the internet sleuths. Yeah. So I, I want to dive into that. I want to talk about what, how def- different the defense is going to look next year because I think, and, and I've kind of talked about it a little bit, a lot of people are overlooking that this team is going to look pretty different next year. You're going to have some of those staples – but think about it. Joe, a guy like JoJo Doman is gone. He's been here forever. Adrian, Stilly. Adrian Martinez, gone. You have guys in the secondary that have been here, gone. Deontay, Markel, Cam Taylor, Britt. So it's going to look quite a bit different now with Feldarius Payne even entering the transfer portal and everything. I mean, it's going to look quite a bit different. So I, I'm not, the show is not going to be, I'm going to try my best to not make it um, down in the dumps or negative. Because I want to leave it open for interpretation from you guys, 402-464-5685. But I kind of want to take a step back and put things in, into perspective about where Nebraska football is. We might have a little bit of a bigger picture discussion when it comes to football and basketball. Because now it seems like we can tie those two things together. It, we may be able to um, do it where 
Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg are now kind of in a similar situation. And if you would have asked anybody three years ago, they would say that that would not be the case right now in 2021, 2022. No. And it's it's kind of alarming. Nebraska volleyball. I mean, if you would have asked people last at the end of last year, like yeah. basketball season or, or getting closer to the beginning of this year's basketball season, if I were to tell you, uh, Fred Horberg and this basketball team are five and five and six, five and five, five and five, uh, going to Atlanta to take on Auburn, and Maybe. their last game was a blowout on their home court. People would be like, "No, no, nah, I don't, be- I don't believe that," because this team was supposed to be, yeah, not you know, not the team, but this was supposed to be a much more talented team, a much better team than Fred Hoiberg has had since his time at Nebraska, and this was supposed to be a team that you know finished the season. And and granted, there is still a lot of season left, yes. but if you're basing your opinions off of uh, one really terrible game, uh, this was supposed to be the team that's supposed to finish over 500, and not not get into the NCAA tournament, but maybe get some type of consideration as as a maybe a bubble team. Well, and I I think you you don't even or maybe take, in the NIT. I don't even think you take just last game into your opinion. I think you put every game this season into all ten games this season into a into a pot, and that's where you gather your opinion from. I, that's how I'm doing it personally. And either way, it doesn't really change a whole lot. I mean, if I take all all of the games you know, that they've played this season and put them all together and, and try to make my opinion based off of that, um, I, am, I am more worried than I was at the beginning of the season, yeah. but I'm not doom and gloom. I'm not. I'm not no. thinking this is the end of the basketball season, and this team is is cursed, and they'll never win again. I mean, that game looked bad. It looked terrible. But you've seen games where not the entire team shoots well, but you've had players who have shot better than they did last uh, two nights ago. Yeah, and I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on Nebraska basketball. I, w- I want to make that very clear. Um, because here's the here's another thing. It's and this is one thing that we can say that. Uh, both the basketball and football program have in common is that on paper, this was their season. Like Husker basketball, this on paper, this was their season to make a move. And we all believed, and and that's still that belief can still be there. It's just not as um, smooth of a start to the season as we were all expecting or hoping for. And then with football, you can argue that this last season, once again, Scott Frost's best opportunity on paper to make a move in the Big Ten West. The Big mm-hmm. Ten West was down um, this season, especially at the beginning towards the middle parts of the season. Towards the end, Wisconsin started picking up the pace a little bit, and Iowa was Iowa just started, I- yeah. Iowa. Iowa started strong and <clears throat> kind of limped to the finish. They limped their way into the Big Ten yeah. Championship game, and you saw what happened there. Uh, Wisconsin started bad and, and kind of finished strong. Purdue started bad and finished strong. Minnesota's been up and down the entire season, especially after losing Muhammad Ibrahim in the very first game. Um, Northwestern was just bad all season. Uh, Illinois started strong with a win against Nebraska and then was was pretty bad and, and mixed in a couple pretty pretty uh, surprising wins into their season, but mostly not uh, not a great season, but it, it is Brett Bielma's first season up at Illinois, so he, he's, he's got to pass that. It, it wasn't a bad season, though, for first year for Illinois. They, yeah. they won a hard-fought game against Penn State. They beat Nebraska in Week 0. Th- those, are, those are wins that you can point to. Obviously, they didn't back it up in that Week 1 game against UTSA. I think they played. I can't remember who they played. They yeah, played somebody they lost, to a lost at home. Group of five teams. Yes. Anyway, but I mean, that's it's it's wild to look at the parallels between the basketball program and the football program right now, because on paper, 
this season, these two seasons between the two programs were supposed to be the best and the biggest in parts or seasons of improvement and and stuff translating to wins that you have had in the last four years or three years if you're Fred Hoiberg. And it's unfortunately, it just hasn't translated. And so it's wild to see the parallels about how everything's kind of not necessarily falling apart, but just not coming to fruition for both programs. Both programs have had their best teams on paper or on the raw. If you just look at the roster, both teams are extremely talented and and should uh, the football team should have done more with what they had. The basketball team should be doing more with what they have. Uh, you've heard from players and coaches of both teams how how amazingly talented they are and how they've taken you know great steps forward. Uh, from where they were last season, and both programs, you know, the football team throughout the entire season and the basketball team up to this point have failed mm-hmm. to meet the expectations that they themselves have put forward um, for uh, the the fans and, and the media and, and you know, j- just for themselves to reach. Well, and, and now looking at Nebraska basketball going forward, they have Auburn on Saturday morning at 1030 from Atlanta, which now – with them having a, an illness within their program, within their team. Wilhelm Breidenbach down with a knee injury that should keep that yeah. will keep him sidelined for multiple games. Obviously, Trey McGowan is not healthy. If also, I want to I want to step aside from that and say how much you we all should respect Trey McGowan's because yesterday I don't know if you heard Rico he he came on one on one and at three thirty. And he was just like, listen, like, yeah, obviously it's not going as well, but, like, I'm going to be back January 5th. That's what their target date, it sounds like, is. Mm-hmm. So you have to go with another, you know, almost a full month without Trey McGowan's. But you have the Christmas break in there, which will, will provide a break in some games and some action there. But either way, I mean, that's a leader, and that's what we get off the text line is is we need more Trey McGowan's aggressive-type players. I haven't seen anyone attack the hoop like him since he's been out. I will say, this last game, Alonzo Verge provided that. Alonzo Verge attacks the rim every single game. Some people have called him a ball hog for it, but you know that's that's part of his game is attacking the hoop, drawing the defense in after he makes a couple layups, a couple tough shots, and then he'll he'll start passing it around to the rest of the team. But he he attacks the hoop. The only thing with him is he's not he's not as big and he's not going to dunk it on people like Trey McGowan's yeah. does. He's he he goes up as strong as he can, but he's he is more slight of frame than McGowan's is, so he's getting knocked around and not getting any fouls called on him because they're like, oh, he's he's small. He's going against big guys. You know, that's just going to happen. But the the way that he's getting hit when he's throwing these shots up, he needs to be shooting more free throws. Like, the, the refs need to be calling more fouls for him, but they're not. So right now he's going to the rim as, as hard as he can, attacking the rim as, as as aggressive as he can, but he's getting knocked around so much that, you know, sometimes the shots aren't going in. Sometimes they do get go in. He should be getting many and ones, but he's not. So once Trey McGowan's comes back, not only do you have a more aggressive uh, on-ball offensive player, but you have you have a guy who you know on the defensive side of things can be your stopper, can be your you know we need you to lock this guy down and, and maybe not lock him down, but slow him down enough where he has to get the ball out of his hands and try to get other people involved, and that'll help the rest of the team uh, uh, work on the defensive end. Because right now, if if the team that Nebraska is facing at this current moment has one guy that they go to. They're going to go to him over and over and over, and Nebraska's yeah. not going to be able to stop it. Well, and, and somebody in that same person on the text line, 402-464-5685, follows up. That's my point, though. No aggressor to the hoop, not a single player to fear on this team. And I, I will also say this, and, and we talked about it yesterday, we talked about it on Tuesday with Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity, is that th- that's just how this team is is designed right now. 
It's a um, bunch of shooters. Your your tallest guy, or not your tallest guy with Oleg, but you have a six eight guy and and Derek Walker, who's really done a phenomenal job this season so far. I would say that at, that Derek Walker, outside of of maybe Bryce McGowan's, has impressed me personally the most. And it's not necessarily a, a, in terms of like shocking. He hasn't necessarily shocked me, but it's just it's encouraging to see him be able to finish at the rim, and also. He's. I understand the rebounding has been a problem for Nebraska all season. It will continue to be. Mm-hmm. But almost every single game, you see Derek Walker trying to tip it out, trying to do little things like that. This last game against Michigan didn't shoot a single field goal until the last couple minutes of the game. Obviously, you'd like that to be different. But this guy's shooting a high percentage from the field, and obviously he's being very selective on his shots. But Derek Walker is doing everything that you at need Everything that you can ask him to do right now at his size in the conference that Nebraska's in. He's doing things that aren't going to show up on the stat book or, or you know, statistically. You know, when, when they're running pick and rolls up top at, at, the, at the top of the key, he's, he's hedging hard. He's hedging hard and keeping these guys from driving to the basket and then getting back on his man. And he's doing his best to, to prevent anybody from getting uh, the ball uh, extremely low post and in a perfect position to just catch it, turn around, and, and put it in. I mean, when you're going to get somebody that's 7-1, they don't have to get that close to the hoop where they can turn it around and put it in. It's pretty easy for them. So that was just a, a rough job for him to handle on his own. But he's doing a fantastic job defensively for how undersized he is compared to other posts. Um you know, down there in the paint, and and like you said on the on the rebounding on the glass, he's boxing people out with the best of them. He's not going to grab every board, and like Jacob Padilla told us, you're not asking him to grab every rebound. You're asking him to box somebody out and keep them away from getting the rebound while the while the wings and the guards come in and and clean that up and and get more rebounds, which is why you see Alonzo Verge with so many rebounds. He's coming down there while while you know Latman and Derek Walker are boxing people out. Those two big guys aren't going to grab the boards because they're trying to keep people away. The guards come down. Bryce McGee Gowans is getting so, uh, a couple of boards here and there. Alonzo Verge is getting a couple of boards here and there. So they're doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Offensively, you're not going to ask a lot from Derek Walker, but you need to get him involved early so that when Alonzo Verge drives to the rim, they can't just crash on him. They have to respect Derek Walker and that, that little shot that he's got there where he's shooting 70-plus percent from the field. And I would like to also point out that when we say get him involved, doesn't mean that he needs to shoot 15 shots right from the get-go. It's just get him the ball and work inside out. Yeah, just get him a couple of touches. He he's he's a great passer from down on the low post as well. It's not just the points that he's going to score. It's also the and not even assist. You know, get a get a hockey assist where he you know kicks it out in the corner. You get a nice mm-hmm. little pump fake, and somebody tries to come in there. You kick it back out to the top of the key, and somebody hits a nice three. Well, but then that comes with knocking down your three pointers. That and it comes with moving without the basketball. Guys yes. have to move without the basketball. And I understand that, that Fred Hoiberg's offense isn't necessarily one of the traditional types. It's, it's spacing out. It's, it's pace of play and everything like that and hitting your shots. But you still got to find the open spot. You got to find, find a spot on the, on the hardwood where you can knock down a shot or put yourself in a position where you're far enough from the other guy, one of your teammates, where you can make that extra pass. How many times did Michigan kill Nebraska with an extra pass? How many times earlier this season against other opponents we have seen opponents kill Nebraska with an extra pass? Creighton was was the first one that came to my mind. You keep moving the ball at some point, somebody is going to be out of position and asked to guard two people at one time, and they're going to choose wrong, and they're going to get, and you have to make them pay. And that's where the making your shots comes into account. And I understand that the way that this offense is built, it's built on making three pointers and getting shots close to the rim. Mm-hmm. But if your threes aren't falling, 
take a step in. Take two steps in. Just hit a mid-range. Just see the ball go through the hoop, and then maybe you can take a step back and maybe your threes will start to fall. But if you just keep jacking up threes, I mean, at some point, you, you have to figure this is not working. We need to switch something up. And I know, like I said, I know this is the offensive style that this team that this team is, is accustomed to, that this team is supposed to be running. You know, we're going to shoot a lot of threes. If we don't shoot a lot of threes, or if we don't make our threes, we're going to lose. But just take a step in. Hit a mid-range shot. Come on. Yeah, the the tough part about that is you're, you have to be careful not to cross a line where you're asking guys to do things that they're not good at. That's the tough part. And I mean, if you're a good three-point shooter... I'm not, I'm, I'm, not blowing, I'm not blowing smoke up people's butts here, but... Here's the thing is when you're asking guys to do things they're not good at, like like taking floaters or, or trying to drive in, into the hole, these guys, what they're, what they're quote-unquote good at or best at is shooting the three ball. Mm-hmm. And, and that is so weird to say right now, especially when you look down at the stat sheet and they are 5 of 35 on Tuesday night from deep. But at, at some point, I just don't know when this team will, will, will be able to – I don't know how this team will be able to reset their confidence because it, it all goes back to follow, following on their or falling on their training and mm-hmm. falling back on their training, like like the Husker volleyball program talks about, right? And at some point, I, I just wonder where the the mentality comes into play, where it's just they 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 have not hit very well in the last couple games, and it's just it's a shame. You just need one game. That's all that they need. One game where where something goes right. Yeah. Even if they even if they lose to Auburn, if they're hitting their three pointers, I think that'll that'll go a long way in helping this team turn this season around. And I and like you know, like people are saying, you know, they're, they're ten games in. The season's not Absolutely. over. There's yeah, plenty of games to go, but it doesn't look good right now. It's just less encouraging than it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting one. Kool Aid Man says this: You're a Division One basketball player and you can't hit from anywhere on the court. That's terrible, worthless. I, it's not the fact that they can't hit from anywhere on the court. It's the fact that they're in the Big Ten Conference where you're facing up guys from Purdue and Indiana and Michigan every night, and when they're facing up against guys like K, having Casey Tominaga drive into the lane in between the in between two guys that are six eight and six nine is not a high percentage shot to where he is best at shooting a step back three. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. Unfortunately, he's better when he has one hand in his face from three than when he's driving the lane in between three guys Mm -hmm. that are four and five inches taller than him and trying to huck up a shot. I mean, he's good at finishing at the rim, but I'm not going to ask him to drive in between the tall trees. Bingo, 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 bingo. Um, other things going on today, 402-464-5685. So the NCAA volleyball um, semifinals, the regional semifinals began today. I knew, I know Pittsburgh and Kansas are playing, I believe. We're, Rico and I in the studio here are watching Minnesota and Baylor. It looks like Baylor, the five seed, is up on the 12 seed Minnesota, 19-17 to 17 in the first set We had there. Purdue win the first game of the day and Louisville won the second game of the day. Yes. Nebraska, we'll, we'll kind of touch on this later on in the show, but Nebraska plays Illinois tonight at 8.30 so late. Um, on ESPNU. Do you get ESPNU? Yes. That's good. We have we have ESPN Plus and all that fun stuff. Nice work. Four ninety nine a month. Oh, we got it with the Disney Plus, Plus package. Oh, that So we works. got Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for like, uh, like seven bucks a month or something like that. I will say this, so going back to Nebraska basketball, before we take our first break here and, and kind of talk about some football stuff on the other side, um, we, we mentioned a couple minutes ago that Nebraska, 
obviously they're dealing with some influenza. It sounds like guys won't be healthy tomorrow on top of the, the guys with inter- injuries, Breidenbach and, and Trey McGowan's um, obviously, but it sounds like Auburn was dealing with the flu as well this last week. I, looking at this comes from uh, Jordan Hill, who's an Auburn b- uh, blog beat writer down in Auburn, Alabama. It sounds like uh, Bruce Pearl says that they had quote, a couple guys out with some flu this week, but he expects to be back full speed later today. So both teams and a lot of programs around the country, it sounds like um, just reading are, are dealing with some sickness and, and that's just something that uh programs will have to fight through. Hey, the way I look at it is Nebraska's still not playing 15 games in 30 days or whatever they played last year. Yeah. 15 games in 20 some days. Um last year it's still still a better one. Still get um, some rest in between your games. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and take a break there. When we come back, let me know Rico and I kind of want to dive into this Feldarius Payne under the transfer portal earlier this week. So that's that that's a little bit of a hit to the outside linebackers room. Uh, I, I want to talk about the defense, what the expectation is for not only the defense, but the whole program next year, how different this, this whole team is going to look with offense, with the hire of Mark Whipple and, and everything like that. I also want to talk about how much Kool-Aid are you guys already drinking? How much Kool-Aid are our Husker fans drinking? Are you in prove it mode yet in year five after you went three and nine? We talked about it the other day where, where somebody texted in and said Kirk Ferentz would be on the hot seat in Lincoln. But here we were, and we allowed a 3-9 and nine season. And so I, I want to know where you guys are at. I want to get a gauge, and, and we'll probably do this every single w- once a week at least, get a gauge on where the fan base is at. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm curious to see how much it will change with commitments, with guys that the attrition from Nebraska. I, I'm curious to see where you guys are at. So 402-464-5685, how confident are you? in the way that this Nebraska football program is heading. We'll dive into all that, talking about what is Nebraska's goal for the football program next on the Happy Hour. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.